Welcome back to Rome Boys. On this episode, we welcome back a very special guest, Jesse Romero. Yes, don't even have to read his bio this time. Everybody knows you, and we've already said it once, so <laughs> bring the fire. <laughs> All right. It's been about a year since we've seen you. Things did not turn out like we hoped and prayed they would. <laughs> in the election. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in yeah. general. Yeah, just everything. Yeah, yeah all the culture and the society and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Even in California. I had big hopes for California the other day. That went down the, that went down the tubes. Yeah. Hey, my question, though, just a minute ago to the guys here is, uh, how is it they, that they were able to count all the votes in like two hours? They, they did the same thing that they did with the national elections. They stole them. Right. The, <laughs> the, the Democrats have it figured out to a science. Uh, that's why, by the way, did you notice that uh, unelected Joe Biden didn't give the well, he's given the post office 600,000 employees. They don't have to take the vaccine. Uh, why yeah. is that? The book, the post office, they do the bidding for the Democrats. They dump tons of mail-in ballots, you know, uh, uh, the next day, a week after the elections. And uh, there's a collusion there. And so Biden gave them a pass. They don't have to get the jab. Here's what's crazy. I just wow. went on to the APWU uh, website. Anybody can go on there right now, the uh, American Postal Workers Union. And I've worked with a union before, uh, and uh, it was quite interesting how mafia-like it was. People might think I'm crazy for using that word, but oh my gosh, they got some persuasion, let me tell you. Mm. And if the APWU is posting it on their uh, website, obviously, in my opinion, I immediately thought, what does the union have on this administration? Mm. Because it's their workers, right, that was doing the bidding on the on the election. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, in Senate and Congress, none of them have to get the jab either. Mm. They get a pass. So... Yep. For thee, but not for me, right? <laughs> so Joe Biden keeps calling himself a faithful Catholic. <laughs> what do you think? Um, yeah. Joe, this is what's sad. Here's we got the second Catholic president in U.S. history, mm. and this guy is an apostate, mm. dissenter, modernist, yeah. uh, I mean, just lukewarm Catholic, and I was being nice. Those were nice descriptions. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just being objective. I mean, this guy is a product of the last 60 years of modern, malformation under the modernist in the Catholic Church. I mean, he. this is, you know, he's a classic Catholic that was brought up at St. Miscellaneous Church with balloons, banners, and butterflies where anything goes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Gosh, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, I find it kind of ironic, or if it'd be funny if it wasn't so sad that you know, here we are a year later, and all the things that these—I'm not even going to call them Democrats or liberals—these these Trump haters that didn't <laughs> vote for him because they thought he was mean, and they call him, you know, a narcissist. They call him a Nazi, and 
that's exactly the way this administration is acting is mm-hmm. four years ago or the last four years they called him that and now here we are with one that is actually yeah. that socialism <laughs> communism exactly. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the, the, the last speech that biden unelected joe biden gave the other night unelected. when he when he scolded the entire nation yeah that was a speech of a king Mm, yes. somebody yeah. who could, yeah. a monarch huh yeah that, yeah the, he's not like what, do, what how do presidents usually say my fellow americans mm. that was not a my fellow that was i'm the king you're gonna do what i say yeah, yeah. dictator in chief <laughs> yeah we're feeling it i mean it's uh you know i work in the nursing home world and we are working with uh, U.S. and state congressmen doing everything that we can to fight this just for simple, uh, the simple ir- irony of free medical choice. <laughs> Who would have thought we'd be arguing this, right? Like, mm. really? <laughs> my body, my choice. <laughs> That's yeah. right. We have to use their phrase. I mean, they've been using that since Roe versus Wade. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious, yes. But it only works one way. It only it only works in one direction. Only one direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It only works for them. Yeah. yeah. Only works for them. Uh, well, yeah, so it's... Uh, sorry, I feel like... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Vice President Pence. I got a fly on my forehead. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in a while. Or St. John Vianney. Let's yeah. stay Catholic here. Let's, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, All right. Uh, so, yeah. uh, back to uh, the church. Uh, so, which bishops do you solidly trust now in our church, and who can we go to as far as... Uh, who's still speaking the truth? Very few. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I, I think there's... Okay. I've talked to a lot of bishops because I travel around the country. I give a lot of conferences and lectures around the country. I've been doing that for years. And I'm gone almost every weekend somewhere giving a lecture. Bishops will come and talk to me. We'll have personal conversations. And I can tell you, all of them tell me about one out of three is pretty much in line with the church's perennial teachings, orthodox, mm. uh, and, and solid and on wow. board. But they tell me, they go, Jess, we're, uh, we're, we're basically overrun at the USCCB. Mm. We're, uh, we're outnumbered. Yeah. And so about a third of the bishops are solid Orthodox bishops, but they have little to no voice because you have the, you have the, you know, the, the homosexual promoting bishops, mm-hmm. Marxist promoting bishops, the, you know, put on your mask promoting bishops. They got the mics right now and they got the positions of authority. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's just the state of the church right now. Uh, but it, it does, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me because, What's happened with a lot of our bishops is they've been infected by three M's. There's three M's that the devil is using to attack the church. Modernism, Marxism, mm. and Masonry. Hmm. Oh, and yeah. you'll, you'll find either, either bishops have bought into wholesale modernism, liberation theology, Marxist theology, or they are friendly. They're, they're, they're socialist friendly. Uh, or you know, they're into liberation theology, or some of them are even Masons. We know that because Bella Dodd told us in 1950, she says, I was sent over here to the U.S. to bring uh, communists into the seminaries. And right now, she says that right now we have a thousand uh, seminarians who are communists. This is in 1950. Mm-hmm. And she said, and right now we've got four cardinals in Rome. This is in 1950 mm-hmm. that are communists that we brought through our seminaries into now into the Roman Curia. 
Wow. Our, our church is full of Marxists right now. I'm telling you right now, that's been a that's been the plan of, of, of the devil through Joseph Stalin. We have the church has the documentation on that. A book was written on that. Handbooks has another good book on that. It's called AA Anti Apostle 1025, which talks about the infiltration of communists in the seminaries. And there's also another good book. It's called by Michael Rose. He wrote it about 25 years ago, 20 years ago. It's called Goodbye, Good Men, where he talks about the infiltration of communist homosexuals and uh, Masons into the seminaries. Hmm. I mean, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. It, that's a great way, though, the Trojan horse effect, right? Just infiltrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the, because the enemies of the church have tried to fight us. Mm -hmm. Head on, and, and they lose. When we when we can identify Arianism, we can identify Nestorianism, Islam, uh, you know, the Protestant Reformation, uh, you know, the, the revolts of the kings of England, the French Revolution, the Cristero Wars. We could see who our enemy was. Yeah. This enemy is, is now like a cancer. It came into the church. And it's starting to infect the mystical body of Christ. You don't know who is a modernist Marxist until they open their mouth. Like yeah. Father James Martin, he yeah. said, okay, I know, I know what team he's on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting, you said two-thirds of the bishops, you know, Arianism, during that time, two-thirds of the bishops believed in Arianism, you know. So, uh, you know, so, so you're Pope. Let's say you were elected Pope tomorrow. What would you do? What would you change? What would be your mission? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you got 30 minutes, go. <laughs> Canon 915 would yes. be used ah. uh, generously. Yes. Huh. Excommunications need to be used. Why? Not to punish people. It's medicinal. To wake it's them to up. Restore, it's to restore people back into the good graces of God so they can get to heaven. I would. The first thing that I would attack would be modernism in the schools, in the chanceries, and modernist theologians. And I would get rid of them. They would say, bye, see you. Here's your, uh, you know, uh, yeah. your retirement. I, I would get rid of them or mm. Canon 915 them. <laughs> uh, modernism, because Pope Pius X warned us that modernism is the synthesis of all heresies. This is the worst thing that we can be dealing, dealing with. Wow. And that's what I would do if I was a pope. I would go after, not the Latin mass, I would go after <laughs> modernist and modernisms in our schools, from kindergarten to college, in our chancery offices, in our seminaries. Also, I would go after political dissenters mm. because mm. political dissenters, what what they do, just like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, you have a lot of Catholics that are jumping over the trap door of hell because they say, well, Nancy Pelosi, she's pro-abortion and mm -hmm. Joe Biden... Um, perform some homosexual marriages and they go to communion every Sunday and the Pope doesn't say nothing. Mm. What is that? that? That breeds contempt for the church's teachings and that breeds disrespect for the sacrament. You would, as a Pope, you would be doing the, the, the entire Catholic Church a favor by going after open dissenting politicians like popes used to do in times past. Mm, yeah. They would go after kings and princes and, and prime ministers and they would have a face-off with them and say, you can't come to Mass anymore until you repent yeah. of this. So that's the second thing I would do. The third thing I would do is is uh, promote the what, what the church has basically told us to do for 2,000 years. The so Promote the social kingship of Christ. What does that mean? That means that we want 
every person and every nation to know Jesus. And and basically, that's the code of canon law. The last code of canon law, 1752, it says that keeping in mind the church's supreme law is the salvation of souls. Canon 1752. That's what I would be doing as a pope right now. Yeah, that's the Great Commission. That's what Jesus told yeah. us. This is why the church is in, you know, in the business of saving souls. <laughs> We've lost track. If I was a pope or a bishop, I wouldn't be talking about masks or vaccines <laughs> or social distancing. Yeah. I would be talking about how to get to heaven. Amen. I would be mm-hmm. preaching the gospel, and I would be dispensing the sacraments like crazy. Amen. Amen that, that second number that you had there just reminded me of Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about, you know, uh, separating the sheep from the goats, yep. really. Yeah. So your thoughts on Pope Francis? We get a <laughs> lot of questions on this guy. Um, Pope Francis is a product of his formation. Okay, so I'm going to be fair here. Yeah. He's from Argentina. He grew up in a socialist environment. Latin America is basically run by socialists, which is yeah. communism. Well, and some of the countries are communists. Bolivia, Venezuela, uh, Cuba. So some are communists. But Latin America is pretty much socialist. Hmm. That's what he grew up. Also in the 60s, the Jesuits, looking at a soft target, they saw the Hispanics, Latin Americans, kind of as a soft target, not very deep intellectually. They're more urban people, you know, uh, I mean, r- r- rural people, uh, people that work with their hands in the agriculture. So they started setting up liberation theologies in their seminaries uh, uh, from, from Mexico all the way to the tip of South America back in the 60s. What is liberation theology? It's the amalgamation of Karl Marx's Marxism and the Catholic faith kind of slammed together in a hodgepodge to give us this new religion, which is, again, uh, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's called syncretism. The Catholic Church can't be attached to anything else. It stands alone. And so most of our Hispanic priests from Tijuana, which is Mexico, San Diego, to the end of South America are malformed. Mm, yeah. I talk, I've been talking to them all my life. Mm, they're Marxists. You, you talk to them, they're social justice Marxists. Mm, they're, they're, they're more social workers. Pope Francis grew up in this. Pope Francis also, he says that his favorite teacher, as he was growing up through his formation, he says there was a female communist teacher. He says she affected me. She changed my life like nobody else. Mm. In fact, up until a second or third year as a pope, they were still corresponding and calling each other. He said, she was my favorite teacher I ever had, a female communist. And he says, hmm. she, she, she had the, the biggest impression on my formation more than anybody else. Also, what else did Pope Francis see? Pope Francis saw dictators all around him. Hmm. Uh, you know, Perón, the dictator in Argentina. That, this is what Pope Francis saw all around him. And he saw the way dictators governed. They, they're all Latin American strongmen. You do what I say, or I will kill you, or I will throw you in jail. So Pope Francis is a product of bad liberation theology, Jesuit formation, which started in the 60s. Okay, And then he's a problem, a product of he grew up in a communist socialist environment. Then he saw the leaders of these countries... They governed, again, like dictators, like strongmen. 
All of this has shaped his papacy. Hmm. He governs like a Latin American strongman. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Look at his last document on the Latin Mass. Yeah, yeah. right. There's nothing fatherly or pastoral about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good and that's, point. That's the Perone way of getting your message across. Because, again, that's what he saw all his life. So yeah. I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just describing who we have as the Bishop of Rome and what formed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an objective view of it. I've, I've never... That's I mean, what I try to do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've not really thought of... I mean, like... I've, I've thought about it and kind of recognized, oh, well, wow, the first Latin American pope, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. um, and just wow. the socialistic... Uh, and in the papal travels, you get nervous because you're not sure what he's going to say or what he means behind things. He says good things, that's for sure. His most recent one, it was very like pro-life, maybe the most pro-life yeah. statement of a pope ever. But then there's other statements you're like, oh, well, what are, well, how are people taking that? What's the media doing with that? What are lukewarm Catholics doing with yeah. that? And then they just go. Yeah, he said abortion is murder, yeah. right? It's uh, like hiring a hitman. That's pretty darn strong. Yeah. Love it. That's great. And I'll tell you, I, I also think he, he's at fault. He should know better. Mm. And, and his handlers are at fault. What do I mean by that? Notice the last two popes in our lifetime. Because everybody knows they knew that all the cameras and the whole world is looking at them. And so whenever they would make a statement, they would do this. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Teleprompter. Yep. I hope that. Why? You know why? Because they know the whole world's looking at every word that they say. So they want to make sure that their T's are dotted, that their I's are dotted, their T's are crossed. Mm -hmm. And they're speaking according to the perennial teachings of the church mm. and not giving their an emotional opinion mm. that's going to be all over CNN and MSNBC tomorrow. Mm. But Pope Francis doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, that's his, uh, that's a defect on his part because that's typically the way Latin American politicians like to speak. Mm. You'll find again, kind of Caucasian or European Paper in front of you, stay to the script, read the teleprompter, but not Latin Americans. They're, they're more emotional and off the cuff. Mm. And because he's seen that all his life, that's the way he's governing as a pope. And it's not good because a lot of his statements be, being made reflexively oftentimes are off the path of orthodoxy. I don't think he does it on purpose, Hmm. but you can't, I mean, when you're just, you're 80 years old and you're speaking off the cuff at an airplane, at an airport with reporters, you're not going to be as precise. He's not as sharp as he was when he was 50 or 40. Hmm. He's the same age that John Paul II was when he died. That's why you need, that's why those popes had a paper in front of them. Yeah, Yeah, right. Hmm. It's very true. That makes a lot. We have a paper in front of us. And yeah. we're, you know, just double checking. Yeah, I mean, you, gosh, you guys aren't eight, you're not eighty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, it's man. It's it's unfortunate though. You know, how do you? Well, I mean, we're the Rome boys. We love Rome. We love the papacy. We love the church. We love. <laughs> but this papacy has been a struggle. It really has. We have to defend our church when sometimes things are said. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, the Pope is a Jesuit. The Jesuits in Latin America are formed, all the seminaries, they're formed with, by what's called liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Liberation theology is basically Catholicism and Marxism 
slam together kind of in a, you know, and roll it up and see what comes out. And so you'll find that a lot of the Jesuits in Latin America, even here, but in Latin America, uh, their faith has been taken away from that vertical Mm -hmm. that me and God get to heaven, salvation, be holy. And their faith as a result of liberation theology is now horizontal. Mm -hmm. How can I help the poor? How can I help the orphan? Not that that's bad, but what liberation theology does, it turns our priests into social workers, Mm -hmm. not ambassadors of Christ. It's it's interesting because Mm -hmm. in America, we have our own set of problems. And what we're seeing is a lot of... um, a lot of international priests here that are formed in these ways. I was very much, you know, uh, uh, worked for. It. Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. There are some. Uh, uh, oh my! There's, well, I'll tell you. Divine there's a lot of there's a lot of male formed Hispanic priests in the United States because they've been trained in liberation theology. Mm-hmm. They get they petition to come over here and incarnate, and they bring in. Their social justice, liberation, Marxist Catholicism into a, a parish. That's what they do. I've seen it all my life. Yes. I've argued. I've argued with Hispanic priests for thirty years, and I have. I take their lunch money. I take their cookies. <laughs> I say what you just said, Father, is wrong. And I'll say this: Lo que he says is no está correcto. You know. Uh. And, and the fact of the matter is, they're, they're like, oh shoot. Who, this guy's a Hispanic. He knows the doctrines of the church. He knows the catechism. I think you need to go parish to parish and make sure you get these guys in line. Yeah, you got <laughs> That's your new ministry. And there's your apostolate, one by one. It's, you know, uh, uh, Let's get these priests back on the narrow path. I mean, if they're not on the right path, the flock will follow. Gosh, I'm like... But, but you know what? The same thing's happened in our U.S. seminaries in the last 60 years. A lot of our U.S. seminaries, we have, we have the same thing going out. They're pumping out uh, modernist, hmm. Marxist dissenters, liberation theologians. It's happening. I mean, some seminaries are better than the other, but we got the same problems here. Mm-hmm. And then we we found recently, after the summer of shame, that we also have a huge sexual predation problem yeah. within our within our seminaries and within the clergy. Well, I was going. The word came to me. It's order. I've I, what I found is there are more priests uh, and bishops that are more beholden to their order than they are to Rome. Uh, you know, to to the canon, to the teachings of the church, mm-hmm. because their order often takes over an entire diocese. The bishop may be even of that order, and they stick together and they have their own meetings. And it's not even a diocesan meeting, but it might be, but it's all of the same order. And so their mission that might work in another country mm-hmm. because of the needs of that country, be it, uh, you know, a third world country or uh, a, a country in wartime, whatever the case may be, it often doesn't work here in the United States. And I think that formation that you're talking about in these foreign or international orders, it's I see it as a problem in the United States. They, uh, you know, you'll have these priests that, do not understand their parishioners at all and the mm-hmm. troubles that they're going through. They're going to hear their confessions, true enough, but it's just not like Pope Francis, how they were formed. It's not their upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean anything negative by it. Just right. like you were objective in your statement, I mean the same thing is mm-hmm. true. And I think they they sometimes struggle to connect with their parishioners and yeah, I, I guess uh, they're from a different culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah they, right on. They don't, they don't connect with an American that has, you know, Caucasian European roots. They don't. 
So shame um, on us for not producing more priests in our own yeah. country. Yeah, it's our right. fault. Because it's, it comes it's back to the family, doesn't it? Yep. Shame mm-hmm. on us because of bad Catholic families. We're not mm-hmm. getting enough vocations out there. Mm-hmm. And also, what doesn't help is, let's just be honest, our culture. Our culture yes. is run by Satan. When I talk about culture, music, movies, education, uh, you know, uh, everything that's happening around us, the, new, the newest fad on TikTok, that's culture. That has such a... Uh, a detrimental effect on young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'd rather be, you know, following, uh, uh, you know, Lady Gaga on TikTok <laughs> yeah. than spending time reading maybe the, a daily Bible reading or the, whole, the daily rosary. Mm-hmm. So c- culture is used very powerly, powerfully by Satan to pull people away from having an authentic interior life. I got a question going back to the 1950s thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking advantage of talking to Jesse Ramirez. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to talk and ask questions. So you talked about the infiltration back in the 1950s of the communists and so forth into the seminaries. Uh, isn't it? I, I'm just going to ask, do you think there's any correlation with the Vatican II changes and maybe Pope Francis and his position on the traditional Latin mass? You, you, Good yeah. Yeah. The infiltration into the Catholic Church actually started about 200 years ago, <laughs> and it started with the Freemasons. They were the first ones yeah. that they're, they're the more, they're the arch enemies of Catholicism, and they're the ones that sought to destroy the Catholic Church through infiltration. So the, the Masons uh, precede everybody. Then communism is born. With the Bolshevik Revolution, Vladimir Lenin. So after World War One, Joseph Stalin, after the war, he starts commissioning communists to infiltrate Catholic seminaries in the United States. So that's a second infiltration. At this point, now we have this is about the 1920s. Pope Pius X sees all this. Saint Pius X, mm-hmm. and so he writes the encyclical. Uh, on modernism. He writes an encyclical on modernism. And in that encyclical, he's warning us about the infiltration into the church. So it already had happened. The communists had started, I mean, the Freemasons had started way before the communists, then the communists. And with the communist infiltration, they also, uh, Stalin told the communists to bring sexual degenerates into Catholic seminaries. Hmm. And so at the time of Vatican II, the 1960s, these three enemies of the, these three poisonous doors that are already inside the church, the mystical body, and they're navigating themselves in chancery offices and schools and stuff. What happened in the 60s, because of the 60s was a, a, a chaotic time, the sexual revolution. You had the, uh, the Woodstock, uh, you know, uh, concert, four-day concert of, you know, massive orgies and, and, and people, just drunkenness. And but you also had the, the Stonewall homosexual riots. So the homosexual movement was born in the 60s as well. Uh, the Church of Satan was established in the 60s. Um, you had the Satanic Bible was written in the 60s. Uh, Goodness. I, the 60s was a... a, a horrible time in the country. That's when Vatican II was called, 62 to 65, in this incredible 
vortex of confusion with sex, drugs, rock and roll, wars, um, birth control, uh, the Church of Satan, the Satanic Bible, um, the Supreme Court legalizes uh, pornography and the big screen, uh, the Supreme Court uh, legalizes birth control, Griswold versus Connecticut. The homosexual riots are born. The homosexual movement is born into the country. 1970, Stonewall riots. Uh, uh, 1968, the Woodstock uh, four-day festival, which is just basically a reflection of the country at that point. The Vietnam War, uh, uh, again, and the way, once again, it was fought in Washington, and we lost that war. The troops won the battles, but Washington fighting all the wars like they did this one that we just they just gave it to the, the terrorists because they fought it from Washington. Uh, this was the 60s. Vatican II was called in this time of social confusion. Well, guess what? There was already enough Marxist, modernists, and Masons and, and liberation theology theologians within the council. They saw this is our time to come out. I call Vatican II, this is when the modernists, kind of like a prostitute, at a secular bachelor's party, hmm. they popped out of the cake. Hmm. At Vatican II, they said, it's safe now. Let's come out of the cake. Hmm. This, the, the culture is ours. This, this culture of confusion and sexual pornification and, and this culture of dissent and anarchy, this is the perfect storm for us to implement and try to create a new church. And so that's what the modernists have been trying to do, create a new church. And again, Archbishop Vigano said not too long ago, he's not the only one that said it. He goes, you got two churches right now. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you got the, you got the church, uh, uh, you got what I would call the church that holds to the perennial teachings of the church. And then you have the church of the modernists that basically changes from one week to the next. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. That's definitely a good uh, perspective on that and it's uh so it's kind of like uh in in my mind a reference of you know you you're a product of your environment and so i guess we have to be really careful huh with our current environment the way it is and with our church and how delicate things are yeah well that what's important is is to know your faith live your faith and spread your faith mm. uh you know uh it's important especially for men iron sharpens iron one man sharpens another Find like-minded Catholic men that want to get to heaven and want to be holy and guys that want to know their faith, not guys that are reading, you know, bazooka, bubblegum, uh, you know, or, yeah. or Marvel comics. Find serious guys that are cutting their teeth on church teaching and on the word of God. Hmm. The second thing we have to do as men, uh, fraternity, uh, the second thing we have to do is have a life of, of constancy. Constancy, what I mean by that is prayer. Dedicated time of prayer, morning, midday, and evening, like the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel the prophet says he prayed three times a day on his knees facing Jerusalem, hmm. being a prisoner in Babylon. So as Catholic men, that's a good structure because guys need structure. Mm -hmm. Most of us eat three times a day. Yep. We should be praying three times a day. And in that prayer of three times a day, you should be including the divine mercy and the rosary because things right now, right now, uh, we've got we've got to uh, shoot fire off all the cannons that we can as Catholic men from our soul because that's what prayer is. Mm -hmm. Prayer has an offensive nature to it. The Bible calls prayer arrows being shot into the sky. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? 
That's exactly the way the ancient armies used to win wars. They would get their archers, and when the archers would unleash a thousand arrows into the sky, game over for the other side mm. if they didn't put up their shields. Well, again, that's the effect of prayer. Prayer's called an arrow, and who's in the cosmos? Demons. Mm. Our prayers drive demons back, wound them, and torment them. And if Catholics only understood that theologically, especially Catholic men, that's what prayer does. It has an offensive nature. It torments, it tortures, and it wounds demons. Who says this? Tertullian, St. Cyprian of Carthage, hmm. uh, Felix Minucius. Uh, I can quote you one exorcist after another. Hmm. And, and, and so when I pray three times a day, I see, I see arrows being shot from my, from my mind you know, mm -hmm. into the cosmos, and I see it doing an airstrike and taking demons down. Mm. That, that, that imagination, as I'm praying, Hail Mary, full of grace, as I'm seeing that, or the divine mercy, it helps me stay focused, because as a man, uh, if you tell, tell a man, oh, when you pray the rosary, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a, a rose comes out of your mouth. That doesn't yeah, do anything don't work. for me. <laughs> hey, that may work for my wife, Anita, that's good. That doesn't work for yeah. me. Yeah. But when they, but when I know that my prayer is like an arrow that fires into the sky that that injures the enemy, I'm all over that. Yeah. Yes. And we got to make it to daily mass too cuz I feel like I'm the only one with the little old ladies lots of times yeah. cuz I know so that's the strongest prayer in the world. I mean Padre Pio, right? You know, nothing's greater than the sun is a mass. If you can get to daily mass, there's no excuse right, not to right, go. Right. I get it some guys work, some people are going yes. to school. Um, guys that are like myself, re retired and stuff, somebody, we can get there. We need to be going to Mass as often as possible because, once again, the Mass is the most powerful prayer that we have on, on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this interview has kind of been a little... Uh You've been listening a downer. to Joe. Yeah, yeah. it's been a downer, man. I'm just like, it's like, it's dude, I'm depressed. Oh, don't be. I need, I need something I to build gonna... me up here. So I want to ask this question: oh. Where is Christ working? Yes. Where, where, the, where's the good stuff? I want to hear some of the right good here. stuff that's going on right now. Right here, Christ ah. is working. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, Christ is working with the lady right now like never before. Yeah. Fulton Sheen said it in 1972. He said, "Who's going to?" He said that to the body of U.S. bishops. Think how popular that statement was. Yeah. Fulton Sheen said, who's going to save our church? Not our bishops, not our priests, not our religious. He says, it's you, the lay people. You lay people are going to save the church. He says, lay people, tell your priests how to be priests. Tell your bishops how to be bishops. Here's what, I, here's what we should be thinking. we got to think micro, first of all. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I network with a lot of Catholic men here. We're involved in a lot of things. Okay? We got guys, or teams of guys say, okay, you go to that abortion clinic. We'll go to that one. So that's a network of Catholic men. I'm just talking about Phoenix. Also, we got a network of Catholic men uh, that know their faith well that are that are running now for political office in different districts because we want to influence the local elections. Mm, yeah. We can't do nothing about Washington, but we can affect the local elections. So we're getting a bunch of Catholic men and we're saturating all the little districts in, in Maricopa County, Phoenix, Arizona, and Catholics are running for office. And these are well-formed Catholic men. That's great. We, we, we also, again, we also tell Catholic men, we, on Telegram on our phone, we got like 200 guys, uh, we, we remind them, morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer. So there's a Telegram message that's sent reminding everybody, your morning prayers, divine, divine mercy, rosary at night. 
and also amongst these Catholic men, we've had a lot of meetings amongst ourselves, and we basically, 200 of us or more, we vow in all in the different parishes that we go to, we say, if anybody walks into the Catholic Church showing, showing some type of hostility, every Catholic man is called to stand up, get in that guy's face, and stand between that aggressor, the priest, and the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. So again, wow. we drill this into these guys, the 200 guys that are on the telegram with us. We're saying, remember our jobs. Uh, stay by the doors, back against the wall, uh, and, and just you know keep keep your head on a swivel because we don't know these days. There's been 95 attacks against the Catholic Church right yeah. now. So, Gosh. as Catholic men, those are good things. Get a telegram thing going with Catholic men to remind them about prayer and get on the send them prayers and stuff. Say these are good morning prayers. These are good midday prayers. Remind cat. Also, I tell Catholic men on the telegram. I said, guys. Uh, work out. If you can't at least walk three miles a day, do something. What have you got to get up and, 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 and defend your wife in the street or your kids or your grandkids? You know, uh, you're, you're, no good to, you're no good to anybody if you're 400 pounds and you're on a wheelchair yes. because, uh, you know, you've been eating bonbons and, and donuts all your life. You know, we also have a responsibility to take care of our bodies because who knows? We may have to get physical one of these days to protect Holy Mother Church. Mm. Man. Okay, now you got me fired up. (laughs) You actually just really um, sparked something. You know, we say be real, be bold, and be Catholic. Uh, That is, that first phrase matters a lot to what we believe Mm -hmm. because you are real. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people scared to be real. And I don't mean any offense to anybody, uh, but you can be bold and be saying the wrong thing potentially. I think sure. we got to quit worrying about hurting people's feelings. Dead serious. <laughs> we got to be real. We have to be real. Uh, yeah, you, you know what? It, it's if the truth hurts your feelings, mm-hmm. then maybe you need your feelings to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I uh, think we've been tiptoeing around too many times and just letting people oh, just for the sake of political correctness right or whatever the case may be we're just tippy-toeing around them too many times we're just yeah we need to call it like it is yeah both in the church and society i mean our bishops are doing that a lot <laughs> unfortunately just tip-toeing, just tip-toeing. Tip-toeing around. Politicians yeah. And, yeah. yeah it's again true. jesus the salvation of souls is why the church exists yeah. yeah exactly no yeah that's it that's it that's the primary reason um and when the bishops do something good, I'll, I'll applaud them. Like yes. uh, Bishop Jose Gomez and, and, and Corleone, they wrote an op-ed yes. piece pushing back against uh, these revisionist historians saying that St. Junipero Serra was basically uh, a barbarian right. and, and, and just, you know, was, uh, was just a priest that would just uh, into in, in the collusion of torturing and, uh, and, and enslaving the indigenous Indians. Well, these two bishops fired back, yeah. and they wrote an op-ed piece on the Washington Post, and they we went on that's several. Good. That's good. See, yes. when they do stuff like that, I applaud them. That, yeah, that's right. a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah. Now, what is it? What Mother Angelica say? You know, what what are you showing love when you tell somebody what they want to hear, yeah. or when you tell them the truth? Yeah. You know, yeah. Who, yeah. Who, yeah. which one's yeah. loving you more? Well, look yeah. at how kids turn out when parents aren't, yeah. you know, real with them. Buddy, buddy, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. But it's not, not strict and disciplining. Yes, mm-hmm. God's going to be just with us, right? Is He not? <laughs> Amen. Yeah, we're gonna if uh, if we die in a state of grace, we'll receive God's mercy. That's mm-hmm. His promise. Mm-hmm. If you don't die in a state of grace, and most people will not die in a state of grace, objectively speaking. Mm-hmm. 
Most people will die in mortal sin. I'll prove it to you after I make the statement. Wow. And so if you die in mortal sin, you will receive God's justice. He's going to give you exactly what you deserve. Why, do I, why did I say most people will die in mortal sin? Every time you look at our Lord Jesus Christ talking the Gospels about people going to heaven, he says it, not me. I'm just a messenger. Mm -hmm. Every time he talks about salvation, people going to heaven, he'll say things like in Matthew 22, um, many are called, many are called to heaven, few are chosen. Mm -hmm. Luke 13, he'll say, strive to enter heaven by the narrow gate because few people find it. But many people walk the wide road of perdition uh, that leads to destruction. A hundred percent of the times that our Lord Jesus Christ talks about who's going to go to heaven, he says, few will go there. Hmm. And that's what he says. Yep. Now, you go to the church fathers. Forget about the modern theologians, okay? I don't want to talk about no modern theologians, modern bishops. The church fathers, every single one of them categorically said the same thing. St. Hmm. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Athanasius, uh, St. Anselm, St. Cyprian, all of them said, Many people will be lost, few people will be saved. So, obvious, who's the one that's going to be saved? Um, uh, you could see, Jesus says in John 10, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I can tell you guys listen to the voice of Christ. You guys care about the church. You guys care about the country. You guys take the time to do a podcast and call yourselves Rome boys because you guys love God and you love his people. Amen. You hear his voice. Amen. That's what compels you to do that. And so God knows who are his. Who are his? Those that hear his voice. And when they hear his voice, like it says in the book of James, now, you know, you have, you have faith and works. Mm -hmm. Now that you say, okay, I hear his voice, I've got to do something. St. James the Apostle says in the epistle, he says, Faith without works is dead. You know, yeah. it is like uh, you know, it is like a soul without outside of the body. Right. And so, again, uh, you know who's God's God's people, God's elect are those people. They're they're drawn to the sacrament. They're drawn to mass. They're drawn to prayer. They're drawn to evangelization. You can see hmm. God all over that person. That's Amen. God's elect right there. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, now you made me feel good again. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to confession tomorrow. Because yeah. I know kids need to fire you up. Oh, my gosh. Because you know, we're weak, right? right? Anything could happen. So we're Fired up but convicted. And I think yeah. when you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, from the scripture, uh, even the apostles didn't recognize Jesus. When did they? In the breaking of the bread. Amen. Right? And when the... Uh, the disciples that were following Jesus uh, were with him in John chapter 6, come in verse 65 and 66. Mm. Uh, he said, you know, this is confusing. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to understand this? And they left him, right? So it's all of this. And I suppose the answer is those people that believe in the real presence, those people on their knees in adoration chapels, yeah. those people bowing before our Lord and receiving the Eucharist humbly, there's your disciples. That's that narrow yeah. game. Fire them up. Those are God's elect mm, right there. Yeah. Mm. They hear the voice of their shepherd, mm. and their shepherd knows them. Yeah. Those are God's you, you You nailed it, really. The God's elect are the Catholics that know that Jesus Christ is truly present in the Eucharist. Once you know that, mm. that's life-changing. Yeah, You'll it, never it, be the same it, again. Amen. You can't even act the same after you know that. Mm. Right. Knowing that Jesus Christ is a mile and a half down the street from me right yes. now. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. 
That, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about we've talked a lot about the church being in crisis, and uh, our clergy and our higher ups are all, you know, we don't know who to trust and who not to. But why would we ever leave? We can't leave the church because we'd be leaving Jesus. You right. can't leave Jesus. Yeah. Right. And He's got this. The Holy Spirit has right. got this. Yeah. 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 No, yeah Jesus. It, Jesus is the church. Remember that St. Paul teaches that in 1 Corinthians 12, Colossians 1.18. He says Christ is the head, the church is the body. Okay, so we're the body of Christ. He's the head. I'm a, I'm a Roman Catholic Christian, not because of any pope, Amen. not because Amen. of any bishop, not because of any priest. When I pray my daily rosary and my divine mercy, hmm. at the very bottom is the Son of God crucified on a cross He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's my salvation. He's my everything. He's why I live and move and have my being. He died for me on the cross. Not Peter, not Paul, not Thomas, not Judas, not Mary Magdalene. He's the only unique Savior of the world. And so I tell Catholics, keep your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Look no further. Yeah, it's so. Woo, it's there's so, some hope for you, Joe. We'll just end the show right there. Thanks, it's been great. Uh, it just fires me up though, because I so many people that are Protestants that I love talking with, I, they say all these things, and you know, sound very similar to what you just said. Just yes. keep your eyes on Jesus, and uh, yet, the, you know, they may come at us and say things like, uh, "Well, you believe in this and that and the other." Oh, you're, you don't understand what I believe. That's the right, problem. Right. But you won't also take the time to listen either and consider what I'm trying to say, you know? Uh, a lot of times also, we get that. also something very important, uh, as I held up the rosary, in John 19, 27, when Jesus was at the cross dying for our sins, and he gives John to Our Lady and Our Lady to John, and in verse 27, it says this. It, it's about John the Apostle. It says, and, and that day... John took her, Mary, into his own home. Mm-hmm. So, if you're a, a true disciple of Jesus, then you should be living John 19, 27. Yeah. A true disciple of Jesus takes Mary mm. into his own home. Yep. <laughs> yes. John 19, 27. All nations will call me blessed. Mm-hmm. Theotokos. I mean, mm-hmm. we could go on and on. I love yeah. it. That was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's so <laughs> true. Replay that one over and over and over again. That was cool. The only person to be called full of grace in those exact terms. Right, uh, right. You know, completely full of grace. Not used anywhere else in Scripture. Argue with it, please. She I want to hear to her son. <laughs> Actually, two people are called full of grace. Huh. Jesus, John one fourteen, Mary, Luke one twenty six. Yeah. So only two people yeah. are called full of grace. The Son of God, duh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> mother. Yes. Everybody else, everybody else is called. Second Peter three eighteen. It says this. Say the first pope says, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So all of us four. Everybody on planet, all 7.5 billion people are called to grow in grace Mm -hmm. because we're not full of grace. Mm -hmm. There's only two people that the Bible reveals are full of grace, and it's none of us in this room. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Exactly. Mm. Uh, I like it because in that one, you could even... uh, be talking with a solo scriptura person, yeah, and say what, what, what is what in you the make Bible. It's only two, <laughs> two folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So I do the social media stuff for for Rome Boys. He does. It's and, true. And we it's come we, we come across uh, you know rad trads and progressives and liberals and people that say they're a Pope Francis Catholic and a John Paul II Catholic and a Benedict and all these divisions. So everybody in our audience, you know, <laughs> I thought you know, we were just is, Catholic. And exactly, exactly. Universal. So how does someone stay just an Orthodox Catholic? And why do we have to have these labels? But I tell you though, I'm kind of afraid when somebody says a rad you know trad ca- Catholic because they will come after you. The, uh, the biggest persecution has become the rad trads. Persecution. Yeah, um, the uh, we, we should just, uh, I'll tell you what we're actually called. Okay. Mm. St. Augustine was asked by the pagans back in the fourth century in Africa. They said, what are you? He didn't say I'm a Roman Catholic. Mm. He didn't say I'm a Catholic. Here's what he said. He said, I'm a Catholic Christian. Mm. That's what he said. Mm. So that's that's the earliest identifier. This is St. Augustine. Now, across the other side of the world, in Spain, there was another saint, bishop, called St. Passiani. He was also asked by the pagans in Spain in the 4th century as well. St. Augustine in Africa. They didn't know each other. Wow. So they asked St. Passiani, so what are you, mm-hmm. the pagans in Spain? He said, I'm a Catholic Christian. So notice, hmm. you have two bishops that never met across the one in Spain, one in Africa, yeah. and they're both asked by the pagans as Christianity is, is starting to come in into those countries, and they're asked, what are you? Both of them use the word Catholic Christian. Well, who put that word in their heart? It yeah. was the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's why I t- every time I've been asked for the last 25 years, just what are you? I say, I'm a Catholic Christian. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, I said everything. I, I said mm. that's the identifier that the earliest saints have given us. And I think Saint Augustine says something like this. He says, uh, "My my first name is Catholic. My last name is Christian, or maybe it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. My surname is Christian. My first name is Catholic." Uh, and so those two go together. You can't separate them. And and I'll and I'll tell you where it comes from. Those titles that Saint Passiani and Saint Augustine gave us. In the book of Acts, I forget what chapter, I think it may be chapter 13, but it's in the book of Acts where it says for the first time that, uh, I think Acts chapter 9, um, for the first time it says in Antioch, uh, the followers of Christ were called Christians. I think mm-hmm. it's Acts 9.26, I'll flip it. It says for the first time the followers of Christ were called Christians. Okay, This was in the book of Acts, this is around 70 AD. Peter's already dead, they have the second, they have the second bishop. In Antioch, I forget his name. So the second bishop passes away in Antioch. The third bishop that's installed is called Ignatius, Ignatius of Antioch. Mm-hmm. Ignatius is the one that he was a disciple of John the Apostle. Mm-hmm. Basically, John the Apostle dies around 96 AD. Ignatius in 107, that's what, like 11 years after, after his tutor, his Bible teacher, John the Apostle, dies. Bishop Ignatius of Antioch says, he says, uh, where the where the bishop is, there is Jesus Christ, and where Jesus Christ is, there is the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So notice what came out of Antioch. Out of Antioch came the name of our church right. in 107 AD, the Catholic Church. And out of Antioch in the Bible in 70 AD, in Acts 9.26, I think it is, uh, is where we were, we were called the followers of Christ, because we were called before that the way, right. followers right. of the way. It was in Acts 9 where we are now called for the first time Christians. So that came out of Antioch. 
the third bishop of Antioch, Ignatius, called the Church of Jesus Catholic. And so I think that's why Augustine and St. Passiani, Antioch is a very important place because those words came out of there. They put those words together and they said, I am a Catholic Christian. Mm -hmm. Both those words came out of Antioch. Mm -hmm. Wow. This has been like a great history lesson. (laughs) This whole episode has just been a great reminder and uh, refresher of on our history here this has been great and we can't lose that title as catholics of christian you know that we believe in jesus that we are saved through the blood of jesus christ you know and we are loyal to his church yeah love it the, the difference between catholic evangelism and Protestant evangelism is both of us want to save lost sinners that are lost in darkness but the protestants will say let me bring you jesus jesus and once you accept them well you can pick whatever denomination you yes. want to go to, your choice, any, meeny, miny, mo. Where we, when we bring somebody into a relationship with Christ, we say, come now home to the church he established. So Protestantism turns goats into sheep, but they leave them without a shepherd. Because they say, go out there and pick whatever church suits your fancy. Or the Catholic church we turn goats into sheep and we bring them to Jesus in the Eucharist where they encounter him. Yeah, amen. It's, oh, man. It's, <laughs> this has been great. It really has. I've been just kind of just been soaking it all in this whole time. I know I've been quiet, but I've just been listening. This is providential, like, actually, man, because yeah. I feel like being Catholic Christians yeah, yeah. is we gotta step it up. who we are. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's Literally who we are. Right, mm-hmm. right. Catholic Christians. Thanks for pumping us up, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, guys. You got it. Hey, anytime. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I hope we can do this again real soon. Maybe Absolutely. within a year instead of being a whole year away. I mean, no, why make it sooner? I don't know. Why, why, I don't know why you guys wait a year. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you've been a busy guy, so you know, we don't want to bother you too much. Yeah. What you got going on next? You got a book? You got an event you're going to? What's up? Yeah, I'm taking off uh, for four days to Ohio. I'm going to do a four-day parish mission. I'm leaving Saturday. I just came back from, uh, where did I come back from? <laughs> <laughs> don't even know where I'm at. What day is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a, the, the, the next book that's coming out, I'm so excited about. Hmm. <sighs> Laid out. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's, it's a book which is going to lay out, and we don't know, I think the title may be, the title may be called Liberation Through Christ. It's going to come out through 10. Uh, I'm writing it with two buddies of mine, Dr. Dan Schneider and Kyle Clement. What we're doing is we're, it's, we're taking the, the best teachings of the church on healing, deliverance, and exorcism, and it's going to be like a manual to walk lay people through basically self-deliverance. Hmm. Because 90% of people that are delivered from, from the diabolical, 90% of them are not ever delivered by a Catholic priest or a session. 90% self-deliver. Hmm. And they stumble into it. And so Whoa. we're actually going to write the manual how to do it because I've been seeing people, I've been you know emailing people, do this, follow this for 90 days, and you're going to break the diabolical stranglehold. They'll go, Jess, I did exactly what you said for 90 days, and I, have, I don't hear those voices at night. Wow. I don't hear... My, my bed's not jumping up and down. I don't see those in, those attacks, those things jumping on my bed, those 200-pound weights at night. It's gone. Wow. So, so we're, it's like, you know, like P90X for Catholic, you know, like work at work. Or yeah, what's yeah, Exodus? Yeah. Okay. It's an Exodus program for Catholic laity who are struggling with the diabolical using the tools of the church 
underneath. Of course, you got to be in a parish underneath the pastor. You can't be doing this on your own. You got to be another guidance of the pastor. How to self-deliver. I'm going to tell you, uh, this book is going to be one of the best-selling books in the Catholic Church because I don't know any Catholic. Every single Catholic wants to know. I want to know exactly what the church teaches so I can protect my family and myself and make sure I stay free from the diabolical. Or if a family member right now is diabolically afflicted, how do I reach out to them? They don't want to see a priest. They don't. They want nothing to do with the church. How can I begin to help them? You know, I have this wow. constant um, thought in my head, though. You said it's going to be best-selling in the Catholic Church. Where, If somebody wants to be exercised, where do they go? Yeah. They go to the Catholic Church, whether they're um, Catholic Christians or not. So before you even made that statement, I'm thinking like people outside the church sure. are going to flock after this if they're in this. And bring they, them home. Yep. Mm. If, if yeah. they have a chance to see it, I wow. think it's going to. Yeah, let us know when it comes out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'll definitely let you guys know. Uh, we're shooting for December, uh, you know, right before the New Year's. Uh, and it's, we're close. We're close to, to, to finalizing the, the manuscript. Praise God. Thanks uh, for doing that. Right before Christmas would be good. <laughs> yeah, right. That was Christmas presents to everyone. Yeah. Or before Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, yeah. That's right. Hey, if you need a Ford or something, or yeah, yeah, right. Joe's all over it. I'll call the Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Everybody will just. Fly. Absolutely. You got it. <laughs> well, well, Jesse, thanks again for joining us once again. And we'll, again, we'll try to get to you before a year. Uh, maybe we'll just interview you on, on when the book comes out. There you go. <laughs> That'd be good. All right. Yeah, and, and, and here the last thing that I just want to just let you know let the audience know is, as Catholics, probably a couple of things that I would just recommend okay. is uh, again as Catholics pray rosary every day. Um, don't make no excuses. That, that that's bare minimum Catholicism. Live in a state of grace. Uh, make sure that like Saint John Bosco says, pick good Catholic friends that are going to push you to virtue, to a life of virtue, holy habits. Also, work out. You owe it to yourself, your family. Uh, you have no idea. You may have to put your body in the way of some attacker one day trying to attack a priest or some parishioner. So make sure you're doing some exercise. Uh, also, vest yourself with sacramentals, brown scapular, you know, the miraculous medal. Make sure you've got your, your Christian dog tags. Mm -hmm. And also, read your Bible every day. Don't make excuses. You can get the simple Magnificat and read the day. Say, yeah. say, make the sign of the cross. Say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. My your servants listening, and read the daily mass readings. It'll take you five to ten minutes, and ask God what He wants to reveal to you as you read His Word every single day. Awesome. Woo, I'm yeah. pumped, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah, Praise this be has God. been great. Thanks for. <laughs> adding that in and yes. i'm sure with our marvelous joe here we can make it simple and, and number these things for you <laughs> it's great it's, advice that everybody needs to really jump on and yeah, do live on it. a regular basis mm -hmm. every day every day thanks for your time and if there's anything we can do to support you let us know we'll do it no problem thanks a lot yes, guys sir. we'll do it again enjoy right. your weekend thank you, thank you jesse well, let's, let, let, let's close with the saint michael's prayer amen let's do it in the name of the father son of the holy spirit amen amen St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thanks again, Jesse. All right. Jesse. All right. All right in the meantime, go. be real. Be bold. Be Catholic. God bless. God bless.